Welcome, 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 welcome. I'll tell you what, I have just such a sense of joy this morning. You know, and I I know you guys know I've been off the news, but that's not why I have joy. I have joy because of Jesus. I have joy because I've been studying this week what life's going to look like for eternity. I have joy this morning because I've studied what it looks like when we reign for a thousand years with Christ on this earth. And I'll tell you what, when we have that hope, when we have that joy, that confident expectation of what the future will look like, when our eyes are focused on the future, when our eyes are focused on Jesus, if you notice what Peter was doing, when his eyes were focused on Jesus, the wind and the waves had no effect on him. They had no effect on him. In fact, he was doing something miraculous. He was doing something that couldn't be done in the human realm, in the human nature. There's gravity and you sink in water. But he was able to walk on water. Why? Because his eyes were focused on Jesus. Because he is our hope. He is our joy. He is the one we love. He is the one who gave it all for us. And I'm so excited this morning just to worship him to thank him for what he did, for that great hope that he has provided to us for an absolutely amazing future that he has in store. Yeah, we're good? Okay, guys, if you want to stand with me. We have a call to worship this morning out of Psalm 9. We're going to read verse 1 and 2 together on the count of three. One, two, three. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Come on, church, let's worship him. When I walked in this morning, actually when somebody walked in, I was walking through the lobby. And I won't mention her name because I don't want to embarrass her. She gave this to me. She said, Pastor Jason, I just want you to have this. And when I looked at it, I just, so much joy rose up in my heart. So much hope rose up in my heart. Because you see, Jesus is no longer on the cross. And he's no longer in the grave. (laughs) Church, come on. Come on, church. He's no longer on the cross, and he's no longer in the grave. But he's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. And he will come again, and he will return for his church, for his people. And it's just such a good reminder. Such a good reminder. So thank you, young lady. I won't mention your name. I won't want to embarrass her. But she was led of the Lord to do that, and it blessed me. It blessed me, and I hope that that blessed you as well. Such a good example of doing the work that God has put in front of us to do. It was the work of a little girl. The Holy Spirit moved upon her. You know, Mom, can I give this to Pastor Jason? Or Grandma, can I give this to Pastor Jason? And it's something so small, but the effect is that is, is what it was. You know what I mean? That now it's ministering out. And he can use anyone. And he can use anything. And sometimes we look at our lives and all we see is limitations. But the cross of Jesus, the empty tomb, 
our prayer this morning, before we started church, we get together and we pray. And it really was a lifting of the burdens. There's so much going on in everyone's life. We all have so much individually, but then just as a nation and as a world. But he is the lifter of our burdens. And you do this great exchange where you, you, and I encourage you to do it verbally. Lord, I, I lay my burdens down at your feet and I take your yoke. Because the word says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He will only call you to, he'll call you to obedience to do the thing that's in front of you to do. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You know that that lamp is for the step right in front of you. It's for the step right in front of you. So we're going to come forward and we're going to get our communion elements this morning. And I was thinking a little bit about communion. Today is Maggie Mae's birthday. She's three. And we're really excited about her birthday. And, you know, we're celebrating her birthday. You know, but we don't recreate the day of her birth, right? We don't go back in time and, like, recreate the scene. Because that would be weird and awkward. We celebrate the joy of that day. We celebrate the significance of that day. We celebrate the life that God ordained and began on that day and the work that she'll do for his kingdom. So when we come to the table of the Lord, we are not seeking to recreate anything but to remember to refocus, to celebrate, to celebrate, to step into all that was done, all that was done through the sacrifice of his body, the pouring out of his blood. But he was, he was raised up on the third day, conquered death and hell, and opened up the door to eternal life for each and every one of us. So this morning, as you come forward um, to receive the elements or back or, or back to receive the elephants, elements, oh my gosh, they're not elephants. Um, <laughs> so sorry. This aisle here is one way. If you're in the back of these two sections, you're going to come to the center and head back to the table and then circle back around to your seats. These side sections in the front here, you're going to come down the side aisles and then um, take your elements and, re- and return back to your seats in that way. It's one cup, so it's just one pickup with the juice on top and the cracker on the bottom. And hold it. Yeah, um, yeah and keep a hold of it, and we'll all partake of it together once everyone has been served. All right. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love how we take communion now because I have this sense of as people are passing the table, I'm just praying for each and every one of you. And I just, this morning, I just want you just to, as we take this communion, as we take these elements, that we would just remember the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We want to take these with a repentant heart, a reflective heart, but this morning I want to focus so much on a rejoicing heart. I just want to rejoice. I just want to rejoice in what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will and has promised to do in our future. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for these communion elements, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done. 
We thank you for your presence here this morning. Father, we thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we rejoice in you today. We rejoice in who you are and what you've done. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. We had given thanks. He broke it. And he said, Take, eat. This is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let us partake. Thank you, Lord. Father, we worship you. We glorify you. We celebrate you. Father, let the joy of the Lord be our strength today. Let us just rejoice with joy. Let us rejoice with joy. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me and let's do a couple more songs. Before we move into the final song that we're going to worship... I just feel like God wants to do some ministry. I feel like there's some ministry that needs to happen. Um, a good friend ha- shared with me this scripture in Isaiah. It's in Isaiah 54:14, and actually I'm going to read it. I'm just going to get my phone, which is in my back pocket. <laughs> um, and it has been ministering freedom in such a profound way. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Lord. That's not the version I want. Thank you, Jesus. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. So how will we be far from oppression? How will we be free from terror and from fear? By being established in righteousness. I am righteous because of the blood of Jesus. And this wonderful woman of God also ministered something that was so, it just kind of sealed it, something that maybe should have been sealed, but it just sealed something in me. And it was that you, do you know that you are perfect in your spirit? Your spirit is perfect. It can't get better. It is alive unto Christ and he dwells within you. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. And the more we live in alignment And in connection with the Father, the less we have to police ourselves 
and the more we can step out of striving and we can walk in peace, we can rest in him. So this morning, the Lord showed me, I want everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. I don't want anyone looking around. Jairus, close your eyes, buddy. Ruby, come on, everybody. And right now, if not good enough is something you hear often, I want you to put your hand up and I want you to put it up high, all the way up, not good enough, higher. If not good enough is something that you hear and that you struggle with, put it up. Hallelujah. There are hands up all over this place this morning. It is a lie of the enemy. And right now we stand and we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Exactly, exactly what the Lord once done is now your other hand goes up high. Put them both up. Put them both up. Alleluia. Alleluia. Right now you receive from heaven. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. When you stand with your arms raised, you are receiving from heaven who he is. You are receiving his righteousness flooding in to your life. You are established in righteousness by the blood of Jesus. And oppression will be far from you. Terror and fear will have no place in you any longer. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You can put your hands down. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. Father, I thank you that you in your presence is here with us this morning to minister truth, to minister the knowledge of your word, to bring freedom. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed, indeed, indeed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to tell you something. I went through a season of my life. I was 28 um, 28 years old, and I entered into this season and actually started when I was 26, and it was just a real striving. I just wanted to be a good girl. I just wanted to be good, and I just was working so hard at it, and oh, it just wasn't working because I would just fail and fail, and it was intense, and I just continued to break down and break down and break down, and the more I tried, actually, the worse I got. And I entered into this season with this spirit of not good enough. Like I, was, I had to hide it from everybody. Not good enough. And it's difficult when you're married to someone who just seems to be good in every way. Or when you look around, comparing to your spouse, to your pastor, to anybody, that is not what we're called to do. It's a tactic of the enemy comparison. It's so ugly. But I entered into this season with this weight of not good enough. And I knew it was a lie. I could say that it was a lie but I still carried it and I still battled it and I still carried it. And God did a work in me. He established me in righteousness. He established me in the word. He taught me how to go into the word and to, and to make it real in my life, to, to plant it, literally plant it, tamp down the soil around it, to nurture the word in my life. And it began to grow 
and I got free. I got free. And what happened was within a year of the Lord really intensely working and me participating with him in the word, I went from so ashamed, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. I began ministering, shout it from the rooftops, I'm not good enough. Jesus lives in me. He is good enough. He is everything. I'm not good enough. Anyone want to know if I'm good enough? I'm not. It's Christ that lives in me. It's Christ that lives in me. And that's what Jesus does. He takes that lie of the enemy and he brings you into truth. I was no longer under the torment of the enemy. I was standing on the rooftops proclaiming the goodness, the glory, the faithfulness of God. So we're going to go into our final worship. Father, I glorify you and I thank you that you are moving and working, that your word is true, that you establish us in righteousness. Father, we lean into you. We receive with arms and hearts wide open. Father, teach us. Let us be taught of your spirit. Let us be taught of your spirit how to nurture the word, Father, that it would grow roots deep. Father, that our hearts would be established and rooted in your love. Father, that we would be unshakable, unshakable in you, Father, in you, in the name of Jesus. I want to encourage you today as we move into the word receiving the word. Um, I've got this whole landscaping thing going on because it's so good, planting the word it, and nurturing it in our lives. Um, we just got new landscaping, and I'm so excited about it. And Randy Ruth came and just did something beautiful at our house, but it was messy. There was, uh, you know, there was this, the machine, like the mini excavator, and it came and it ripped roots. It broke things, and it was, it was a messy business going on around our house. Um, but he had a plan. He knew where he was headed. He had a, he had a roadmap, for, you know, sort of as to what he was going to do, and I just think the word must be planted and it must be tended it has to be nurtured so that it can take root and grow and be effective in our lives so that we can be transformed into the likeness of Christ so that our minds can be renewed. And the Lord just gave me this beautiful picture as we were worshiping. My garden is hidden and protected. And um, we have some new trees and one of them is on a corner and it really takes the wind. And it is the skinniest little... Thing. And we went out and we reinforced it. You know, we staked it in the ground so that it could it could resist the wind. But then there's another little tree. Actually, it's even skinnier. But it's protected by a massive hemlock. And it's not even moving. The wind is whipping and that tree is protected. And the Lord gave me this picture. My garden is actually protected in the shade of his garden. Because that's how God intended this to be. And your your spiritual walk in your life is not just a, is not just your own, you know, 40 acres in the middle of nowhere. 
We are meant to be in community. And when we nurture the word of God, it grows tall and others can come and rest in the shade of the truth and the love that we walk in. We are meant to be that to the world. And I've been in seasons where I have had to duck and cover in the shade of those around me. But I'll tell you what, it feels great to have some shade and some protection to offer others. Grow in the word. Be mature in the word. Because when the winds come, if any of you have watched videos of Hurricane Laura ripping through, in the spirit, it's coming. The wind and the waves, the wind will blow but we will be strong. We will be mighty like oaks, like cedars. We will be planted. We will be rooted. We will not topple. And people will run to us and they will see the glory of God. I just want to read a couple of verses out of Psalm 27 as we close out this time of worship. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an enemy may encamp around me or against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. Thank you, you, Lord. Father, we dwell in your house, in your presence, in your shadow, in your covering, in your protection. Father, we thank you for that no matter what's going on around us. We can trust completely in you. And Father, we trust you. We trust you. We trust you. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Well, as we move into a time of greeting one another, I just want to remind everyone that we love you all, and we are such a wonderful family, and I know that we um, love each other. Um, there are still those who are wearing masks and want their space. Please be respectful of that. No. That is, that is, you are welcome here. Um, we want this to be a place where everyone feels like they can come and be respected to live according to the convictions, to live where they're at no. right now, and to just come into the presence of God no. and know that they will be loved. Um, So as you greet one another, I encourage you to keep that in in mind. Um, If you have your kids here, um, Kid Corner is open. ECF regulars, you know the drill. If you're a guest, we have sermon bags for your child, um, toddler through sixth grade. Uh, The items in the bag are for for the church. And then when you're done, you kind of put them back in and, and hang it back up. Um, So I invite you to come over to Kid Corner. I'll be over there. Also, up here, we'll have the offering buckets. We are not passing the offering buckets, um, but if you want to during greeting time to bring your offering up, it can come up here. We also have a a lockbox on the left of the door back there. And then lastly, um, again this week, Pastor Jason is continuing his uh, series on the end times. 
Um, and there is a timeline up here that was handed out last week that he did a really excellent job kind of, you know, helping us drink from a fire hose, just kind of giving that overview of the whole thing. And this week he's going to go into a little more detail. So I encourage you, if you don't have one of those, come up and, and get one. So um, let's greet each other. Okay. All right. Love you guys. <clears throat> Hello, church. I just have one announcement, and that is to remind you all of the reading plan. Um, there are bookmarks on the back table if you want to participate in reading along as a church. We are starting in the New Testament, and I've already started because I want to start early and pre-check the checks, so that gives me a little wiggle room. So funny. Okay, yeah, Jason was very proud of me. He's like, that's a good plan for you. So um, I just want to encourage you um, to participate because reading the word together um, helps us grow and helps us get stronger together. So this is awesome. And then other than that, I just want to welcome guests. Uh, we're happy to have you. Um, so glad to worship together with you this morning. If you are so inclined, you can let us know that you were here. Um, just let us know your name and that you were here. Um, and you can send an email to info at ecfchurch.org. This gets you connected if you want to know anything. Um, it's where you can ask questions. Um, it's just a way that you can connect. Um, also, if you have prayer requests, um, praise reports, testimonies, um, you can send those to prayer at ecfchurch.org, and we are happy to um, read those, receive those, and pray uh, for you guys. And that's all I have this morning. All right. Okay. Uh, I just want to, I want to pray over our tithes and offerings uh, before we get started back into our timeline, uh, like we said, we did an overview last week, and I'm not going to do the overview again, but I want to get in, into some things, some specific things that I think was important for us uh, to look at uh, today, especially in the times that we're living in and that we're seeing. But I want to read a scripture first for our tithes and offerings out of uh, Malachi 3. I believe we have that up on the, up on the overhead here, verse 10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And I love this part of the verse. I think, you know, we talk a lot about tithes and we, and we hear a lot about tithes, but look at that. God's actually saying, now try me. Try me in this. Capital, capital M. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be enough room enough to receive it. Amen? Amen. God is so good. He is so faithful. He's looking for us just to trust him fully and completely in every area of our life. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you, Lord. We thank you for just your abundance in our life, your, the abundance of joy and of goodness and of faithfulness in our life. And Father, we just pray over these tithes and offerings, Lord, that you are the God of multiplication. Father, that you are taking each and every dollar given, Father God, and, and using it as you see fit, Lord. We just submit that to you. Father, we thank you that we can be a distribution center and taking the funds that you have provided and sending them where they need to be sent and use them how they need to be used for the expansion of your kingdom and for your glory, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that this property will be paid off in Jesus' name. We thank you for being debt-free Lord, we're looking forward to the party and celebration we have when that happens, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Uh, just a note on the, uh, on the debt. I don't have the exact number here this morning, but we're working on a graphic of some kind to get up posted somewhere in the church building, just so we have our, our eyes can just remember what it is and what we're working on together to get this thing paid off, because there's so much we're able to do, or so much more we're able to do, and I know we're able to do more once we get this thing paid off, amen? Amen. So, guys, let's get into, hopefully you have your timeline. Please pull out your timeline if you have this in front of you. Uh, for those who are watching online, we do welcome you. Uh, if you want to go to our website at www.ecfchurch.org, right on the homepage, I think you just have to scroll down a little bit, and you will be able to get, click on a link, which will open this as a PDF on your computer or on your phone, uh, and then you can zoom in uh, and be able to look at it. We have a little bit larger copy here uh, uh, this morning. But let me just pray over this message, because... My goal is to bring you such hope this morning. I mean such hope. I could cry just thinking about it. I want each and every one of you to leave with such hope for what the future holds for us as believers, for those who have made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, for those who are written in the book of life. So much hope. And if you're here this morning or you're listening online and you're not assured of that hope of your future, you can change that today. You can be assured of that hope today, which is exciting, exciting news. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just lift this message up to you. Father, these are your words, Father. Your words through your Holy Spirit. I pray that I will be able to speak them clearly, to articulate the words that you have for this church and what you have in store for the future. And Father, I just ask you now that our ears will be open, our eyes will be open, our hearts will be open to receive what you have for us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. So you know what, I've been excited about this, this message series, like I know we started last week, for like a long time. And this was before like, we even knew what the word of that virus even was, right? I didn't even know how to spell it, didn't know what it was. So this is not a series based upon what's happening in the world, to be honest with you. Like, this is not a series driven by what's happening, although it helps to explain what's actually happening. So God had ordained this message series for us for a long period of time, even before all this stuff started to happen. And the scripture verse out of Hosea 4.6, it says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And I gave the example last week of me doing home improvement projects. And the example last week that I used is when my expectation is at a certain level and reality ends up not being at that same level, I end up getting frustrated. How many of you are in that boat? Come on now, right? When expectations do not equal reality, we get frustrated. And what happens is when I'm doing these projects is, of course, you know, you got to go to Lowe's like a hundred different times in order to get the project done. The expectation was once. You're just like, Pastor Jason, why would you expect to only go once? But the other thing what ends up happening is I use what I call brute force. Amen? amen. Who got an amen? <laughs> I use brute force to fix any problem that's not going correctly during my project in the house. Okay, and so this is where you would say, well, why don't you go and get the right tool? Ah. Why not use the hammer? It can put the screw in just as well, right? 
Right? Why, when something seems like it doesn't fit, why take the time to remove it and go back to the saw and just take a little bit off when you can shove it into place? And then I don't even have to nail it or put a screw in it because it's permanently in there and you can never remove it again. Okay? But what happens is we get frustrated when we're doing things when the expectation doesn't equal reality. And the whole part of the point of this series is to give you the correct expectation, the correct reality of what is going to begin to happen as we play out these last days. So when you see it happening, you're not like frustrated. And we just said, you know, all this stuff is going on in the news today and all this stuff is happening today. Things are happening. Is any of you any surprised anymore? Because this is the stuff that's going to happen. We have to understand that this stuff is going to happen. So why are we going to spend so much time on it? Why are we going to take weeks to talk about it? You know what? Because Jesus talked about it. Because Paul talked about it. Because Peter talked about it. Because John talked about it. And this entire Bible is the story of God's plan for redemption for mankind. It says who he is and what he's going to go do, and you have to get through the whole book. And this, this whole end times and what's going to happen is sprinkled through this whole thing. It's sprinkled from Genesis, through Isaiah, in Ezekiel, in Daniel, in the prophets, in Matthew, and all through Paul, the Pauline epistles, and all the way to Revelation. How can you not talk about it? We have to talk about it. It's a major doctrine that we have to understand and we have to talk about it. The coming of the Messiah and the literal establishment of the kingdom of God on earth is central to the gospel. The establishment of God's kingdom on earth is central to the gospel. When we begin to understand that, we begin to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and the wind and the waves and the storms. Begin to, they're going to blow. They have been blowing, right? They've been blown long before 2020. And these things begin to happen. And we have to understand them. Revelation 12, verse 11. Grace, I don't know if we have that up there. Revelation 12, verse 11. And it says this. It says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And we, a lot of us know that verse, Right? We overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, but we leave out the last part of the verse. And they did not love their lives to the death. They did not love their lives unto death, which means this, is we missed that last part, but it enables us to know what is coming. We will overcome. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the words of our testimony, but we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear what's coming at us and what's coming down the road. So the goal of this series is this ultimately, is not to set a time. I know Pastor joked a couple weeks ago, he had a great message uh, a couple weeks ago. He says, you got to come back and listen to Pastor Jason. But it's not because we're going to set a time. We're not going to put a date on this thing at all. We're not going to point out or call someone the Antichrist. We're not going to say that this timeline that sits in front of you is the absolute only interpretation of end time scriptures that there ever was, because I can tell you it's not. In fact, I think there's some asterisks on the timeline which really points out some of the major debated theological differences within the church on where things reside. So we won't be dogmatic about it, but this is, this is, our, this is my belief and my view and our view uh, on where we, where we see this thing uh, coming. The goal of this series is to do this, though. 
is to give you general expectations for the future, to give you hope for what the thousand-year reign and eternity will look like. And that's where we're going to spend our time uh, here this morning. It's to give you a vision for what the church will look like in the future and to give you personal actions on where you need to stay focused on and what we need to go do. So let me give you a brief overview of heaven and hell before we get into this, to, this, uh, to the timeline. And our focus this, this morning is going to be on number 21 and number 22 on the timeline. There is just a few verses on the back of the timeline which I'll read through some of those, and they'll relate to number 21 and number 22. But first of all, I want to start with uh, heaven and hell. I mean, I don't know about you, but all I know is growing up, I heard the song, Heaven is a Wonderful Place. Anybody know this song? Filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face because heaven is a wonderful place. I want to go there. Right? So this is the song, Salty, the singing songbook, I think. Okay, how many heard this song? Because no one's singing with me here. Okay, only a few of you. But growing up as a kid, you just think heaven's this wonderful place. And, and we never really put words. We never really put scripture. We never really begin to define what exactly does it look like. What is it going to be like? Because how do we put our hope into something when we don't really know what it's going to be like? Am I just going to be floating around in the clouds, singing songs for all of eternity? Like, I'm thinking that that sounds fun for a little bit. And maybe if you're Sydney and on your worship team, you're like, that sounds exciting. I would love to do that for the rest. But I'm thinking, like, hey, eternity doing that? Is that really what it's, is that we're just going to be in the clouds floating? No, it's actually, that's not what the Bible says. That is not the definition of what is going to happen. So I want to define heaven, I want to define hell, where it is today, and where it's going to be in the future on this timeline, and what does it actually look like? What is occurring in heaven? What is occurring when we're reigning on this earth, which will probably be next week? But what does this begin to look like so we can begin to have a hope of the future? Because what happens is, is when our eyes are focused on the future, and not in the present, what we said earlier today, when our eyes are focused on Jesus, the wind and the waves have a lot less effect on us, do they not? Amen. Okay, so heaven. How many of you know that there are actually three heavens at the moment? There are three heavens, let's read out of 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2. It says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, but God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Okay, the third heaven. If there are three heavens, if you're, if you're going to the third heaven, how many know there has to be a heaven one and a heaven two? Right, make sense? And can I get an amen to that? Like if, there's the, if I'm going to the third, I have to get, there has to be a one and a two in order to get to the third. So let's talk about the three heavens, where they're at right now. What is heaven number one? What does that look like? It's actually the here and the now. It's actually the earth. It's actually where we are living right now. Both the spiritual realm and the physical realm, which you and I are in, is the first heaven. This is where we actually are right now. And I understand it doesn't feel that way. Can I get an amen to that one? This is heaven? Are you kidding me? Like, I don't want anything to do with the other heavens if this is the first. No, no, no. No, no, no. Listen. When God created 
the earth and he created in its perfection and he created the garden of even he was creating heaven on earth he was creating a heaven and man's fall man's sin that allowed sin and the enemy to come into this world begin to take reign is why this heaven that we currently reside in today looks and acts and is the way that it is does that make sense So we think of this Garden of Eden, this perfection, until sin entered the world. And you say, well, where is Satan in all of this? Where is our enemy? Is he he just floating around somewhere? Where is he? Well, the Bible makes it very, very clear in Isaiah 14. I'm not going to read it. You can write the scriptures down. Isaiah 14, 12 through 21, and Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19. And it clearly begins to show that Satan was on this earth when Adam and Eve were here. Amen? You guys know the story in Genesis? The serpent was there, tempting, which means Satan had to have fallen. Lucifer had to have fallen from heaven at some point. I'm not going to go through the timeline on where exactly that happened because we're talking about the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of history. I'm not going to get into old earth and new earth, young earth, old earth. I'm not going through that this morning. We may get to that eventually, but just a whole other controversial topic, really of not too much of importance at the moment. Amen? We're at the end of the timeline, not at the very beginning. Okay? How old dinosaurs are, whatever. We're not going to go there this morning, okay? But what I do want you to understand, what I do want you to understand is that Satan is on, I mean, he resides in this first heaven, in the spiritual realm that we actually live in now. And you say, but Pastor Jason, on your timeline, on number six, it says that Satan was kicked out of heaven. You're just telling me that he already got kicked out of heaven. How is he going to be kicked out of heaven again during this tribulation time? Well, it's very, very clear in the Bible that that Satan, the enemy, still has some access to communication with heaven, right? Look at the story of Job. He has access to this this story. Look at in Revelation, it says that he is the accuser. And he's accusing brethren day and night before God. Where is God? God is actually in the third heaven. And I'll get to that just in a minute. And he's officially kicked out forever. When he is, when he gets kicked out, when you look at number six on your time frame, I know I don't have it on the overhead, that is when he begins to be able to actually be impersonated as the Antichrist. The Antichrist truly becomes the Antichrist. I'll get to that a little bit later. But the first heaven where we live is the spiritual realm Listen to this. The spiritual realm has influence over the physical realm. And that's why it's so important when we talk about this battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers of darkness. In this first heaven that we are operating on, that has been, that has been kind of by sin, is, is what it is today, will be completely restored someday. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. But what's really exciting is that we have to understand that we are in a battle against the enemy right here. In this heaven, on this earth, right here where we are right now. And we have to understand that. The second heaven. What's the second heaven? The second heaven is, is really, it's, we'll call it outer space, galaxies, etc. I mean, if you've watched enough movies, okay, whatever. It's out there, okay? It is not where we reside. It is not where the enemy is currently residing. It is not where the battle is. It is not something that I need to spend a whole lot of time on talking about here this morning. The third heaven, listen to this, the third heaven is where God's throne is. And that heaven, wherever God is, heaven will be. 
Listen to me, church. Wherever God is, is where that heaven will be. And eventually, church, eventually that heaven will actually be here on this earth. I mean, come on. What good news is this? This is fantastic news to be able to understand. And you say, okay, so then I start asking questions. Okay, what do people look like in heaven? Come on, how many of you ask this question, right? You begin to say, what, okay, when a loved one that I have, and they've passed away, and what do they look like? What are they, what are they like in heaven? Well, there's a whole lot of evidence in the Bible that talks about either in the transfiguration experience, in the book of Revelation, where John sees people in heaven, and they look like humans. Okay, so when, when we die, before this whole timeline plays out, if we die and we go to heaven, because we know Jesus and we're in the book of life, We have a spiritual body in heaven that looks like a physical body. But where that third heaven is, it's not just up in the clouds. Okay, that third heaven, that where God resides, it's not part of this universe. It's not part of this, like, because our minds can't really totally comprehend this, right? We're thinking in terms of what's right here. But God's, in the third heaven, is, it's not something tangible that we have right now. But it will be tangible in the future. And that's what's exciting. So the summary, the first heaven is this atmosphere of this earth. The second heaven is kind of, we'll call it outer space for those fun outer space people uh, that love this stuff, galaxies and stuff. And then the third heaven is where God's throne is. And it's truly outside of what we see as this created universe. This is heaven. Hell, where's hell? Hell on the flip side, Hades or hell, is somewhere truly in the center of this earth. Don't ask me how that happens or what it is from a spiritual perspective, but what I can tell you is this place is very real. Hell is a real place, and if there's any doctrinal theology teaching that says, well, hell doesn't really exist, I'm not sure which Bible that they're listening or or reading or looking at, because it's very clear, and if you look at Matthew uh, Matthew 15, or 13, 50 says, And cast them into the furnace of fire, where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Hell is a real place. Heaven is a real place. Okay, back to your timeline, if you want to put that timeline up for me. So here we go. Number 21, Satan is bound for a thousand years. It says in Revelation 20, When I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit... And a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, which we already referenced, right? Who is the devil and Satan. And bound him for what? A thousand years. Here's number 21. There's a thousand year binding of Satan. And he cast him into the bottomless pit. He shut him up. Set a seal on him. I love this. So he should deceive the nations no more. You see, he is in operation right here and right now, being the deceiver, being the accuser. But what happens is at the end of this timeline is his time begins to run short. And he is bound up for these thousand years, and he's cast into into the fire. And the nations no more for a thousand years. Listen to that. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. What else happens at number 21 as we're beginning this thousand-year reign on earth? is the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb. It's an inauguration of the kingdom on earth. It's the inauguration of the kingdom on earth. It says in Luke 22, listen to this, for I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. That means when Jesus comes back for the thousand year reign on earth, there is going to be a party. 
Guys, no, no. The marriage supper of the Lamb, it is a party. You have to understand this. I am looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb with great anticipation. It says Jesus isn't drinking wine anymore until he comes back for the thousand-year reign. This is a party that's going to... I'm not talking about a drunk party. Come on. Don't go there. But there is going to be a party. There's going to be celebration and singing and dancing at the marriage supper. It is inaugurating Jesus being king of the earth for a thousand years. I mean, like, come on. I want to be at that party. How many of you want to be at the party? Well, if you know Jesus, you're going to be at the party. So we need to get excited about the party that's coming. Amen? I mean, I tell you what, church, I've been studying this stuff, and you know, we had a, a tough week and a difficult week and getting the kids back to school and stuff like that and what we were doing, but I was able, I mean, honestly, I mean, Liz could attest to this, I was able to walk through a lot of these things with much more joy and much more gladness, and gladness, and I think he even looked at me like, man, I love you like a lot this week, right? <laughs> because normally the stress that it has, like, oh, grumpy Jason again, right? No, I like wasn't really grumpy this week. Why? Honestly, I believe because I'm studying what is going to happen in the future, and I'm looking at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm looking at what heaven's going to be like. I'm looking at eternity. I'm going to say, you know what? I can get through today because I know what tomorrow's going to bring. I can get through this stuff today because I know what tomorrow is going to bring and I have an excitement around that. It's like whatever, Corona, whatever, all this stuff. And we have to battle against it. I get it. The marriage supper of the Lamb, it's going to be awesome. Then the rest of the timeline talks about there's going to be, uh, as we get to, uh, uh, there's going to be a cleanup here for these thousand years. We're going to do some cleanup. We're going to get a new temple built. This is not the temple that you see in Revelation 21. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And then that's actually the temple you can see in Ezekiel 40 uh, through 48. And we're going to enjoy the amazing reality of ruling and reigning with Jesus for a thousand years on earth. And that's going to be exciting. And I'm going to actually spend a lot of time about on that next week. But here's what I want to focus on today. The end of the thousand years. Remember I told you I promised you I'd start at the end and work my way backwards? I had to tell you the thousand years. We're going to get to number 22. Number 22 on your timeline says, Satan is released. That's in Revelation 20, verse 7 and 8. He fails, church. He fails in his last stitch attempt to try to defeat Jesus. He fails. Church, he fails. Come on, church, he fails. He's done. It's over with. And then he's tossed into the lake of the fire forever. No more messing around. No more deception. No more accusation. No more pain. No more sickness. No more trouble. No more anything that comes from him. Because he's done. It's over. This is a time to celebrate. Then the white throne judgment occurs. That's where every person will be evaluated. Look at the book of life. You can read that in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. And if you look at 14, it says, Then death, Revelation 20, verse 14, Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Man, this is, this is the most important stuff. This is the most important stuff. Then the Bible says that death is actually thrown also into the lake of fire. Jesus hands his kingdom over to the Father. 
And then God creates a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21. I don't have the, all those scriptures up there, but turn with me there if you have your Bibles in front of you. Revelation 21. God creates a new heaven and a new earth. Let me say it again. God creates a new heaven and a new earth. This third heaven where he is today begins to correspond with the new heaven and the new earth and they merge in this glorious and beautiful thing that he has intended from the very beginning that we begin to go back to the days of the Garden of Eden and things are perfect and there's no more sin and no more sickness and no more pain and we get to just be forever in eternity just with him in his presence. Come on. Come on, church. He creates a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21. Now, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The ones we're dealing with now, they passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Now it becomes, it is with us now. And he will dwell with them. You understand this combination of the third heaven and the first heaven all comes together. God now comes down and he, wherever he is, he comes and dwells with us. Come on, church. He ends up dwelling with us for all of eternity. It's just like, are you serious? Yes, I am. It says it here in the Bible. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 4. And God, look at this, will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. There shall be no more pain, for those former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne, verse 5, said, Behold, look at this, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. So let me go back to today for a minute. Sorry to bring you back to reality. Because this is reality, but it's the reality of the future. I saw a meme Again, I don't get on social media much, but I got on for a second. And I saw a meme, and I don't have it up here. I probably should have put it up there. It's as if 2020 was a scented candle. And there was a bunch of job johnnies or porta potties, and they were on fire. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, is that not a picture, seemingly, of what a scented candle of 2020 would look like, right? I know it's disgusting. I'm sorry to take you there for a minute. But this is the reality that we live in. This is what it, it's like today. This is what we're walking through. Do you understand? And I, I was watching a video, Andy. Thank you for sending, sending it to me. Depression is one of the leading causes of disability worldwide. Antidepressants. And again, honestly, honestly, there's, if you're on antidepressants, I am saying that, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. And we can have a whole other discussion about that. And we can have a whole other conversation. Maybe I'll do a message series on it. Do not feel like a failure because you have to take an antidepressant. Whole other thing. Got quiet. That's okay. 
But what I'm saying is because there's a rise of these, it's an indicator. Suicide is the second leading cause of death to young people in the U.S. People everywhere are seeking escape. They're seeking something to believe in. They're rioting, and I don't even think they really understand why they're rioting. There's all this chaos going on in this world. Everything that's going on in this world. And we need to keep this amazing hope that I was just talking about. This amazing hope in front of us at all times. Hebrews 6, verse 19. I've given a lot of scriptures this morning. Hebrews 6, verse 19. Look at this. It says, this hope we have as an anchor. The hope of this future that we have with God is an anchor. Do you know what an anchor does? Right? It keeps you from being tossed around and going anywhere else, but it keeps you stable, and it keeps you steadfast, and it keeps you right where you need to be. An anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. What does it mean, the presence behind the veil? What that means is the most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells. The hope, that hope can be our anchor in the most difficult and crazy times. 2020, crazy, crazy, crazy. I mean, who started, who started this year thinking this is what was going to be? Not to mention 20 means war in the Bible, and if you do 2020, it means a lot of war. But let's not talk about biblical prophecy on, on numbers at the moment, okay? So let's look at Matthew 19, verse 28 and 29. And Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, that in the regeneration where the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, thank you, Jesus, you who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone, everyone, everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, wife, children, or lands for my name's sake shall what? Shall receive a hundredfold and eternal life. Church, nothing is lost. You have to understand this. John Eldridge has a great message, and I haven't read the book yet, but what his, the whole point about this thing is nothing is lost. Look at this scripture. Everything gets redeemed. Everything comes back. The lost loved ones that you miss and that you care about, it all gets redeemed. It comes back. For those who are in the book of life, look at this. Houses. Yes, there's houses when this all goes down. Families. Look at this. This is absolutely amazing. Revelation 21, verse 5. I'm going to read it again. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He makes all things new. So these scriptures that we've lined out, I've called these scriptures, I've put like these scriptures that we just looked at, equals a hope of restoration that God will make all things new. And what is hope? Hope is an expectation that there's something better coming. Hope is an expectation that there is something better coming. And honestly, it would take quite an amazing thing to happen to make all of this stuff line up. And guess what? Enter Jesus. Enter Jesus. He gave his life for this hope. This hope that is above and beyond. He gave it to us. He makes possible the renewal of all these things. So some of us walk around and think that we've lost everything. Guess what? 
You haven't. You may have lost it temporarily in this world, and, but it is, by the Bible and what it says, it will be made new again. So I want to paint a picture for you in, in, for a moment, then we'll have the worship team come back up in just a moment, because I just want to worship him. I just want to worship him and thank him for what he's doing. It's funny, Liz already mentioned the landscaping project that we did this week, or that's been going on. And I see this landscaping project that we did at our house from a little bit different perspective, although it's really the same. What happened was, is over the course of time, over the course of life, our landscaping got out of control. Yeah. Right? It got out of control. Because I didn't have the time, the energy, the effort to daily go out there and pick a weed here and there and to stop this one plant from spreading like crazy. Like, why some of these plants, they just spread everywhere and I can't keep up with it. And what happened is, is he came and he tore all of that stuff off. And so much is like the end times when all this stuff begins to happen. It all gets ripped away. It all gets torn away. And God comes back and makes all things new. And when I walk out and I see this landscaping, and it is, right now, it is perfect. It is perfect. And to think about it, that when God comes to this earth, when heaven is established on this earth, it is perfect. It is absolute perfection. No more sorrow, no more tears, no more pain. None of it anymore. Perfection. Worship team, if you want to come back up here. The story of the Bible. God made Eden, the garden. We were made in his image. He gives us this earth, and what does he tell us to do? To rule and reign on it. But man fails, but Jesus intervenes. And God restores the earth. And then what is he going to tell us to do again? To reign again on this earth. And the exciting part is that evil, at the end of the day, will be completely, totally destroyed. Nothing is lost, church. Nothing is lost. Those goodbyes that you've said, those things that you feel were lost and stolen, the pain we face in our bodies, we will be made completely whole and completely new. Imagine this. Imagine the best day you've ever had. Right? Some of us have had pretty good days in our life. Imagine the best day that you ever had, repeated over and over and over and over. Right? How many of us go on vacation and we're like, oh, it's the end of vacation. I'm talking about the never-ending vacation, church. I'm talking about when, when we are here on this earth, we are going to be doing the things that God created us to do. Listen to me. Each and every one of us was created uniquely by God for a certain purpose, both here on this earth, but a purpose for all of eternity. You say, well, what does that mean, Pastor Jason? I thought we were all just singing in the clouds. No. No. Will there be worship? Absolutely. Will there be creativity? Absolutely. 
I truly believe the Bible makes it clear. Those who are able to draw will draw. Those who are able to write will write. Those who are able to build will build. Those who are able to create will create. Those who are able to dance will dance. You think, well, how is that possible? Because you will be made perfect as God intended you from the very beginning. And you will be able to do the things. You will be able to do the things that God has always created you to do. And we live in a fallen world. And some of us get an amazing privilege to do the things that God has created us to do. And unfortunately, many of us don't always get that opportunity on this short time frame on earth. But I can tell you, there is joy and there is hope knowing that God, as he created you, will be completely fulfilled in eternity. Telling you, if you love to cook, you're going to be able to cook. If you love to plant gardens, you're going to be able to plant gardens. If you love to play sports, yes, I will be playing sports. We are going to do what God has ultimately created us to do. And we have to see the future as God sees it. To see what God has in store for us. And if we can keep our eyes, church, if you can keep our eyes on the end of the timeline, if you can keep yourself focused on this end and know that the joy of the Lord is your strength and know that eternity is going to come and you are going to be ruling and reigning with him and you're going to be able to do the things you've always wanted to go do and you'll be able to have the never-ending vacation with him in his presence. You've got to be like, amen, sign me up. Let's do this. And then each day, as he tarries, as we wait, if we can just remember the glimpse of what will be, I truly believe, as it did for me this week, as it did for me this week, you can have joy in the circumstances that are surrounding your life right now. So stand with me. We're going to worship. We're going to do this one song that we've done already. But church, this is, this is the good news. This is the good news, church. This is all part of the gospel message. This is the good news. And if you're here this morning or you're watching online, you say, ah, I don't know if my name is in that book of life. I don't know if my name is there when Jesus opens it to see. Will I be able to experience this for eternity? Then after church is over, we'll have some prayer teams up here. I want you to come up and talk with us. But right now, for those that do know, can we just worship him? Can we just worship him for a minute? Can we just celebrate everything that he did, all that he paid for? and keep our eyes focused on the future. Amen? Amen. Let's worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Worship you, Lord.
Let's just pray for a minute. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your Son. We thank you for this amazing picture of eternity that you've painted for us. And that you've given us the ability to put our hope in that, in you, in your presence forever. Thank you. We look forward to that peace, that joy that only can come when all things are made new. And Father, we ask for that peace that you promise us here and now. The peace that passes all understanding. And that each and every one of us will have a fresh revelation of that peace, even in turbulent times. And Father, I ask that we focus our minds and our hearts on you, and that the joy of the Lord will be our strength. The joy of the Lord will be our strength. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Prayer teams, if you can come up here. I think there's maybe one or two prayer teams here this morning. I want to read the benediction out of Revelation 22. Because why not? Why don't we read the end of the book? Amen? Because we talked about the end. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be wonderful. Every one of you. I am so excited. Like, my biggest passion in life is to see people doing what they're called to do. And do you understand that when we're in heaven, when heaven is on earth and everything is made perfect, you all are going to be doing what you've been called to go do. You all are going to be enjoying exactly as God designed you. And man, that is going to be so awesome. So exciting. Revelation 22, verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. I know a lot has to happen before that all goes down, before we get there. But if we can keep our eyes over here and our eyes focused on the future and what God has in store, oh my goodness. I believe in verse 21. The last verse in the Bible says this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen? And amen. Amen. You are dismissed. We'll see you next week. We'll do the millennium.